0: i appreciate you all inviting me onto a gear podcast and i have no idea how to do any sort of home recording whatsoever which <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh don't worry i have i have an outline here and and one of the things i have uh, like a, a later on bullet point is how i can talk about you being a a total gear boy but not a doll boy <laughs> fair enough <laughs> like i'm feeling like i'm pretty warm are you guys feeling warm yeah man. let's
2: get into it i'm I'm feeling
1: warm i've I've got opinions on wine and edibles i could talk about all both those things for (laughs) (laughs) that'd be great for 75 minutes we don't need to (laughs) this is beautiful we're we're gonna have a great time today this is this is a podcast that we're doing right here this is gear buds podcast episode 83 i'm henry dave is on the line here hi dave and we also have super special guest coming to us from far away Chicago today. Evan Thomas Weiss. What's up, man? Hey. Hey, how are you? It's good, it's good to be here. <laughs> um, it's great. It's great to be near in the city, uh, even though we're not. Uh, even though we're not near at all. And vicinity. I I haven't seen you in, uh, in about a year, you know, and so it's. Uh, I know when it was actually it was it was at the Red Room. I remember it. Was that was it
0: specifically. all right? So just to give people some context, the Red Room is our friend Joe's house where he does. He does like, you know, host shows and arts. Performances oh, yeah. And, um, but so
1: it was Jul- it was Julian Lodge, Dave King and the uh, probably one of them. I've seen Julian a few times. He's he's I guess I can sort of call him a friend, which is a weird thing to say. But anyway, one of the most beautiful experiences of my life watching him and the drummer f- uh, from Bad Plus and so many other things play together. That was yeah. just an insane evening. That was my last and, that was uh, my last live show before quarantine wow well you went out with a bang i i saw cult of luna uh and Intronaut at house of blues right before lockdown nice that's a hell of a show was pretty sweet it was pretty it was actually super sweet um but yeah so that was last time we've seen each other unfortunately we're not seeing each other today but it seems like that's going to be possible in the semi near future maybe so you know fingers crossed that we don't totally fuck all that up uh, well, anyways, because I'm a terrible podcast host. I haven't even mentioned who Evan is. Oh. And, uh, he is the singer, songwriter, s- guitarist, musician extraordinaire behind Intuit Over It and the band Pet Symmetry. I mean, just one of the most prolific musicians out there. So we're going to talk about tons of that kind of stuff he has a new record out called figure on triple crown records the single we prefer indoors which is amazing thank and you. i've been listening to it a lot uh, recently Appreciate that. we're going to talk about all that stuff uh, for sure in great depth but before we do that we're going to get into our usual segments here let us dive into the symphony of corrections and here is your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes thank you to all of our listeners far and wide love seeing uh, all of you interacting with us and joining in uh, feel free to reach out to us you know follow yeah. us Instagram at gearbud's podcast uh, on Facebook where Dave's just throwing the memes left and right I'm sorry dude I actually I kind of stepped on your t- your your toes a little bit this week and posted a meme on Instagram oh really I didn't de- yeah. uh, did I see it I don't know, I don't know but I I it, the reason i felt justified in it is and is that i i created it you know it wasn't like i wasn't a repost which oh, i feel the, like is, the double... is solely your t- your territory uh i actually like made a meme like a grown up does i guess so, yeah, yeah 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 i had to post that on instagram oh that's great man is
0: dave, I, I don't is know dave like usually you... is dave usually the meme lord Well, I'm I'm the,
2: what I, what I try to do is I I have the Facebook. So, uh, I post on the Facebook, try to post every day, but you know, during these, these crazy Facebook times that we're having, I really try to post like uplifting memes or funny, you know, ads or vintage ads from a long time ago or beautiful pictures of Les Pauls and things like that. So I really try to keep it positive. Um, but I forgot you had the, uh, the double kick pedals are the rollerblades of drumming. Which is just, I love it, man. That's great. (laughs) Nice work. So, no, you didn't step on my toes at all. I think we're working both sides, you know? I think. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Let's keep it up. Sweet. Let's keep it up. Uh, speaking of keeping it up let,
1: let's get some more subscribers because that that's always fun and if you want to do that go to spotify apple stitcher google podcast wherever you do that shit have some updates for free stuff which is at gearbudspodcast.com uh, slate is about to release a free i think it's sort of like black friday related plugin called fresh air which supposedly will smooth out your high end i don't know because it's not available yet also, right now, there's just like a shit ton of Black Friday plugin deals going on with Sound Toys, Universal Audio's, Twelve Days of Christmas, Waves, uh, Native Instruments is doing like 50 percent off. Now yeah. is the time of year where if you're a plugin, a plug-in boy or gal or other, uh, please start buying them because they're cheaper now.
2: Yeah, good time. All to right,
1: shot. let us go to bad fucking ideas. Dave's favorite sub sub segment. Mm-hmm. Um, Trapped was recently banned from Facebook for hate speech. So that's cool. <laughs> the, uh, Wait, just fuck, <laughs> fuck those guys just recently. what didn't, yep. didn't
2: that guy have like an outburst a couple months ago? And yeah, it was, like, he or or he's, just a, he's just
1: been he's just been in permanent outburst mode for like six to six months to a year or so. Or that's at least how long I've been aware of it. I mean, he's he's honestly, I, I feel like I feel like it was the kind of thing where they were they could recognize their
0: career was over. And if they just fucking go crazy, then people would actually start talking about their band again
2: yeah 100% dude I totally Absolutely. agree with that it's yeah. completely yeah. PR and
0: now they know that if and that's also like because nobody cares about their band anymore if they align politically with the psychotic uh, right that they'll just be forever fans forever now so now they've got a built in yeah. audience okay. of a built in audience of 70 million people because of that <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's, so it's 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 a hell of an angle fuck them but you know yeah, yeah that's uh that's an interesting angle to take i guess uh, it's
1: working for like james woods and kid rock so trapped is trying to jump on that bandwagon no risk no reward you know <laughs> <laughs> uh so and that's one last thing you have to worry about seeing on facebook so that's cool um I've got a uh, pretty, uh, pretty. This one isn't so much like an angry Craigslist post of the week, but it, it was, it still made me, um, it still made me chuckle when I saw the listing. It, it's, it was just a pretty regular old listing for a Gensben's Shuttle 6.0. I've got the uh, the screenshot here in the outline, Dave. I don't know if you can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, again, pretty innocuous. And then I read the description and I'm just going to read that for you. Um, you must name the current mayor of the city in your response, which I've never seen that before. Mm-mm. And then he says, so I know you're not a spammer jammer. What the fuck is a, <laughs> What's spammer, a spammer jammer?
2: jammer? <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, do you get, well, Henry, you've got some stuff listed. Do you get spam mm. responses on your, on your posts? Cause I've never had that issue on Craigslist.
1: Uh, yeah, on higher ticket items i've definitely gotten the will you you know uh, send to wherever with a certified check R- kind of thing right yeah right. but not not too much these days especially and it's something that we've talked about it's because craigslist is doing the bizarre double captcha that you have to and i keep getting wrong and still gives me high anxiety every time i have to click through it and yeah. tell you which one's a motor bus versus i a, hate a that dude. car or whatever <laughs> yeah. motor bu- dude, But Motor yesterday but, i got hit with like, yeah i don't know
0: Yesterday, I got hit with Pick All the Tractors, which I'd never seen that one before. I had to choose all the yeah. tractors out of a group of grid of nine. Totally. And, uh, man, I haven't been on Craigslist in a long time. It sounds like it's changed.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah it has fun. and it hasn't, you know. The people are uh, still it's, crazy. It's, the, pe- it still attracts the It still attracts the loonies for sure. Uh, and, and and that's a good little transition because uh, Evan not only we haven't we haven't mentioned also works for our friends and yours Reverb.com. I do and um, I wanted to mention uh, kind of a, a super. Uh, I don't, I don't know how to feel about this. I mean, I've seen this thing in person before, but I just saw this listed on Reverb. Uh, a, a Ludwig Alex Van Halen stage played 1980 tour kit oh, yeah. on sale for, I think it was, was it like $275,000? <laughs> oh, I, I, I actually, like, that kind of came up because our
0: uh, uh, we found the listing. And um, you know, everyone who works at the company is always like trolling for fun or goofy listings all the time. And and not and not just on Reaver, but like on eBay too. We like like the other day I saw the um the synth from Apex Twin Ambient Three is on eBay right now, which is like fucking crazy. It's like the no one it's cool. like the one with like the etching of that's in the insert of the record. Like it actually is that synth. That's crazy. And uh and so we're just like, holy shit, you know, like geeking out about this thing. So we saw the the Alex Van Halen kit and uh um you know, we shared it on our social media, and then from there, like all of these uh, music mags and and publications picked up that it was suddenly on sale, and um, oh, it's wow. just it's just fun to to troll that kind of stuff because we'll spot stuff like that after it's been online for maybe an hour or two, and um, you know, and then just you know make an Instagram post or put it on our socials or tweet about it. And, right. it's, and then all of a sudden it's like music news. It's pretty fun. <laughs>
1: That's sort of unbelievable to me that, that they would list something that costs more than most houses and wouldn't have in any way thought like, maybe we should reach out to the people at reverb about this. Dude, well, like, you know, you it kind
0: of, it kind of like boggles just, our like, mind. Like that.
1: we, like, you know, I was one of the, I
0: was on one of a few people on a team that built, you know, how we ran artist shops for a really long time and how we still run artist shops now. And like, and that was, uh, you know, we we do always think that's kind of curious, but there's also some people who really, um, you know, we're not an auction website, and that's that's a thing that's usually like sure. like a big right. deal is that people want to try to auction something, and and it's like we have to just say, you know, well, you know, that's not that's not what we do here. So,
1: well, if you've got a a solid uh, 300k sitting in uh, burning a hole in your bank account and you want to buy that sweet torque uh, that kit which yeah. I, mean, I don't know if you guys have can looked I at add, it. I, yeah. saw, I actually saw it at the rock and roll hall of fame uh, years ago the only time i've ever visited i remember seeing that kit there yeah. and it had the kick drums i mean Alex Dude. van halen kind of always did the thing where he would use double kick drum shells but it has
2: like a weird leather connector where they're angled now well and it's like you can actually like it looks like you could uh, expand them or com- you know condense them into a shorter a shorter kick drum or a longer kick drum accordion style style yeah. exactly I've never seen that in my life actually that's pretty freaking wild cool. yeah I well love
0: that. you know it's always been my dream to spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars to play a single stroke role so uh, I'm probably gonna <laughs> take out a loan now yeah <laughs> oh you're in
1: good company because I've been practicing those <laughs> all right um you know, I've got to, I don't want to bring it down too much, but I just, ha- I want to quickly mention uh, a rest in peace to Bruce Swedian, uh, who passed away this week. Uh, just a you know, huge figure in the, in the audio recording world. Everyone who's listened to this podcast m- who's made this podcast, I'm talking about myself and Dave here, anybody in the music world owes, owes a debt of gratitude to Bruce Swedian, whether you know it, or, know it or not. I mean, the dude, he... Kind of is is one of the people credited with popularizing the use of of ambient mics like room mics. Oh wow! I mean, he engineered Thriller. There are so many records that you love that this dude had something to do with, and, and he was like an honorary doctorate and just a total luminary that not many people necessarily knew about beyond our world, but still had a profound impact. So I just wanted to make sure that we took time to to honor that memory a little bit here. Beautiful. Also, also our a uh, a
2: mustache icon. Yeah legendary mustache bruce Sweetian. uh that's
1: all i've got for uh the symphony so i get to say my two favorite words that i get to say
2: every single week
1: which is dave's docs
2: beautiful hey man uh what's what up guys dave's docs coming coming in hot this week uh speaking of recording engineers and studios i watched an interesting doc it's new on amazon uh it's called recording in progress and it's actually just kind of an overview. Um, I'd say the state of of studios in the music business right now, um, which is you know obviously up in the air, and 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 we're we're going through a lot of new things between streaming and between people being able to build their own studios at home and and how accessible that is. Um, so it was kind of a the doc was cool. It was it was kind of an overview. It had like Steve Albini was in it, uh, Richard Fortas from GNR. Um, there's a guy named Eric Seraphin. I've never heard of him i don't think but he was he did ben harper and foreigner and he was kind of around in like the 80s and he was he had some really interesting insight about how dude this kind of blew my mind he said engineers are getting paid now or producers you know or both are getting paid now the same amount they were getting paid in 1985 because of how popular studios got and then when they started competing with each other and prices started coming down and people were able to start recording their own stuff they had to match you know kind of what people, what was available and what people you could use. So their hourly rates have actually gone back down or daily rates or however you want to look at it, have gone back down to like what they, what they were in the eighties, which is freaking crazy if you think that's about a, kind of soul crushing yeah it's a it, you know it, honestly it was a little it was uplifting at the end but it they definitely there were some some engineers venting about the kind of the state of the situation you know there's no such yeah. thing as like the middle class studio anymore you know you've got you've got your home studios and then you've got people who record in their bedrooms and then you've got These really, really high-end, you know, major record label studios, which are now even, you know, few and far between um, with that type of stuff. There was an interesting part in it. um, Albini, Steve Albini was talking about when he bought his building where his studio is. Mm Mm-hmm. He bought it for like around $200,000 and he's like, now it's like one to $2 million. Just the building. Of course, yeah. You know, which we, yeah, obviously it's Well, that's the neighborhood. Yeah, that's the neighborhood. It's Economics 101. I mean, obviously, but just to kind of put that in perspective, you know, we're like the idea of like, let's say, you know, me and you wanted to go buy a studio somewhere and look for a building. It's just like- Really impossible to even try to do something like that in a major city anymore. So, you know, that's yep. uh, they kind of talked about that a little bit. I thought that was interesting. Um, but you know, yeah, I would. I, I think it was pretty good, man. I give it, give it like What's a. Reckon? Give it. Give it like a it. three out of five tape machines. I think. <laughs> I will say this: Are we talking two track, four track, sixteen? How many? We're yeah, talking Is it a one inch? Tracks. Is Are it a half inch? Yeah, yeah, okay. one, yeah, one <laughs> inch <laughs> tape machine. Um, I will say this, man actually a really, it was shot really cool. There's a lot of beautiful, um, you know, photography and, and imagery of, uh, equipment. So if you just want to get your gear on and, you know, kind of just watch it in the background, it's, it's not a super dense documentary. You don't have to really pay attention to it. Um, cause they're kind of saying stuff that if anybody is relative in the business, we kind of already know a lot of this information. Um, I feel you, but you would like it as far as just like the gear, like there's so much cool gear, you know, um, just you know well, all and that. I honestly you mentioned Elbini twice I I have and will watch anything anything that, that, I, that he's that in talking <laughs> about yeah
1: anything really uh, I was actually disappointed for better or worse, he yeah.
2: wasn't he wasn't in it as much as some of the other guys but um but he was he was in it for a bit and they of course they put his name like first on the list of credits and all that stuff you know because I think he probably was one of the biggest names in the movie but mm-hmm. uh hold on just well, Steve
1: I know you're not listening to this uh but uh if you are I know you'll never be on the show so that's, that's <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you know uh it, it's that's actually really funny that you mentioned that the that the day of the uh you know the smaller studio like the mid-sized studio doesn't exist because i actually am a I buy in on a medium-sized studio space in the city of chicago interesting uh, me too so and, do i and so and we actually operate a space uh you know kind of over in the avondale area and it's uh where we've made almost all of our bands like and and reciprocal like kind of like loosely connected bands records mm-hmm. over the last like two or three years and it's been an awesome well, investment it just
1: so happens that i uh have uh have a, a talking point about that on the online the here because you're in right on carol right uh well my rehearsal room is at right on carol but oh i thought you were re- oh i'm sorry i thought you were recording out of there no no, no no no
0: well because well, right on carol is just really oh. noisy it's hard it's not those those rooms yeah, right. are all that's uh, why
1: that's why i was confused shout yeah, out to right I, on the carol reason. I actually have Dave, a setup Dave in there. Dave has a space there. I used to be in there for a really long time it's, too, so it's, It uh, has
2: been a lot funny. quieter lately obviously with nobody playing oh, the shows it, with quarantine. And, uh, yeah. Rehearsing as much. You can definitely get in there and do some recording now. Um, which we've which yeah, we've done. Yeah. We've
0: done we've recorded some live sessions in there and it's like that the issue mm-hmm. with the red on Carol room is that it's like the rooms are all kind of square. There was actually yes. uh, our friend Seth was running a studio out of there called the Owlery for a really long time and he was in the room right next to ours. And so I've been in that building for about 13 years but um when we were Uh, My friend Matt Jordan, who is a former Reverb employee, was also the guitar player and into it over it for a while. He was a guitar player and stay ahead of the weather for a while. Um, We had always worked on records together and produced records for bands. And we used to work out of Atlas, which was the... uh, the old studio on uh, Ashland Avenue. It was, like, where, uh, like, all the Lawrence Arms records were made and, like, some of the early Alkaline Trio stuff. And we used to work out of that studio. Oh, right on. Cool. And so when when Atlas closed, Matt decided to open his own spot, which uh, was initially, the first space was, like, a, was, to your point, like, a bedroom. It was in... um, what was the spot that's over kind of near where Albini's spot is? It's like off of Belmont, but it's like where those is it the music garage or like what is that what is that space called? Music
1: garage is a bit further south. I'm not sure which one you're
2: talking about. It's got it's
0: got some fucking name. It was owned by the dude who owned the alley fucking Mark, what's it, whatever his name oh, is. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, but so Matt started a studio in there called Type One and uh he recorded the first sincere engineer record in there and he did like some demos for some bands and then Bad-ass. um and as his space began to grow he partnered up with adam who is the drummer in into it over it now who's also a type one diabetic which is why the studio was called type one and oh, um wow. and so they moved the space to 4200 west diversity and from there we're able to grow it from one room into two rooms and now we're like building out we're like getting a uh you know, and then we kind of brought in some friends. So like Josh, my friend Josh Parks, who was the old guitar player and a over it over, pays rent in there. Rodrigo from Saves the Day is one of the people that is a, a shareholder. And then um, we basically started arranging to have a room built on the other side of the building specifically for us. And then Matt moved no to shit. Kansas. Matt moved to Kansas City, so I took his spot as a stakeholder in
1: the room. But we're able oh, to wow. do. Is that the old?
2: Uh, is that the B three organ? Uh, yes. Yes. The old B3 Organ Factory? Those okay. are
1: my, uh, Zach and Stacy are very old friends of mine yeah. that, that run that space.
0: So what's what's awesome now is because, uh, you know, we started doing our Patreon in August. And part of our, like, the Patreon that we've done is, like, a collective, which is called uh, Storm Chasers Limited. is uh, And it's, like, not just me and Adam, but it's, like, everyone that Adam and I also play bands in with. And so, like, bands in with, it's all, everyone who we play bands with play in bands with right and so as a collective you know like if you're kind of buying into one of us it's like you're kind of buying into all of us like if i feel like if you're a fan of one you're a fan of all i love that so yeah but what's rad is uh now there's a pressing plant a vinyl pressing plant in the same building so we're able to heard about that we're able to turn around projects from the studio right into the vinyl pressing plant immediately and it's made it so that we're able to really be turnkey with projects that we're working on um, in a way that's that's really special and convenient um, the fact that we could just walk downstairs and like approve our test pressings and and that's so cool man you know yeah, get vinyl crazy. pressing started so you know rep and smash plastic which is you know my friend John Lombardo oh, yeah. uh from chirp and um, you know if you need if you're from Chicago and you need a vinyl project worked
1: on they are the they are the people to do it with so um, Hell, yeah But yes, couldn't agree more. All right, so I actually got to go in there and check out when they were still doing a lot of that build out. Are you back? Are you in those rooms over on the other side where they've got like the windows and stuff? I'm on the we're in the side. We're like on the front facing side of diversity. So like. Oh, um, oh okay and
0: so we're moving back to the to the back corner where all the windows are that's that's the eventual gotcha. plan and they're currently in the process of building that out and so it's it's just been yeah it looks really cool it's just been super delayed with COVID, and uh you know like it's just been harder to you know what would have been a one-month project is now like an eight-month project because yeah you know yeah, it's to yeah, really. getting people in there but yeah, that's no, funny. Right
1: before, honestly, right before I moved into my studio that I'm in now, I went over because I was thinking about checking out one of those rooms. But the, yeah, it's sort of a similar thing Is like I had a need to move in February and it just wasn't, it, the timing didn't work out. Otherwise, I would have been in your same building.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, for someone like me, like, you know, to your point, we were making a joke earlier how I, I don't know how to record. You know, like I am not, I don't know Pro Tools. I'm not a DAW. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm actually like just starting, I just learned this year how to group drums and hit record. So Adam could record drums while we're together. (laughs) Like, I know how to do that. I know how to group the tracks and hit record now. But so, uh, which is enough for us to, you know, do stuff together. Um, Yeah. But like, that being said, I'm working on so many projects and recording so many projects with other people, other engineers and stuff coming into that space that it made more sense for me to pay rent on the studio than it did for me to pay hourly for sessions in the room.
2: Oh, absolutely,
1: <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. At a certain point, it makes sense just to buy, you know. Well, that's like, what you I mean. A hazmat
2: suit four times a year. <laughs> and, and that was actually one that was actually one like really interesting point kind of to sum up that documentary I watched was that the one thing you can't get when you do buy your own space is you don't get that engineer, you know, the brains of that engineer working on your project, which which is an upside. And, and I don't think those guys are going anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. as far as that type of stuff goes. A absolutely. Wow. This has been this has been a freewheeling episode.
1: I love it uh, because I'm gonna start talking about something I do every week, which is Hank hits. Oh yeah, and that is a segment that used to be a riff library back in the day, where I would read a different book every week, and then that just became impossible. So now I talk about one of my favorite records that I own on vinyl every week, and this one I'm very excited about because I'm su- frankly I'm surprised I haven't talked about it yet. First of all, second, it was actually inspired by you, Evan, sort of tangentially, oh, in that um, because. I am. A, this is at best a semi-pro podcast here, so I do a semi-pro amount of research before we have guests on, and uh, through that research, I found a Rolling Stone list of the forty greatest emo records of all time. <laughs> and as I am, and as I am sure you are aware, Evan, you are on that. Yeah, list. Yeah, congrats, know, which man. is fucking Thank awesome. You. Fucking by crazy. the way, It's that. so dope,
0: dude. I, I remember, like, uh, I you know when I started. It's funny because like when I started working at Reverb, and you know I've been at Reverb for about four years, and uh, a lot of the, my coworkers don't know about what I did before I worked at Reverb. They don't know about the band or anything. Sure. And that's fine. Like it's like we're you know, it's just a different world, you know, like and there's so many different variety of people that we that I work with and that are fans of different things. And um and I remember when that article came out, it was like like it was like the cover was blown. <laughs> like,
1: I wasn't just right, like right. A, I couldn't just
0: be like a regular person in the office anymore. Like people were like, "What? Like that's you?" And I was like, but yeah, "That's right. so cool. good. You got outed You're, by witness." I did. Yeah. I was...
1: <laughs> well, anyways, one of the records on actually. Well, I'll say so. First of all, before I actually even get into any of this, I want to say. How interesting I found it because, and this is something, this really brought me back in a lot of ways because Dave and I were actually talking about this list and, and what happened. First of all, the, the the top five records on that list are just like five of my favorite albums of all time full stop but that just the idea of what emo even is or yeah. like what should be on that list or shouldn't be on that list or how you define these certain things it was so funny just like even dave and i kind of getting into it a little bit like well i wouldn't have called this emo like minerals on the list but it's they're on the same list as panic at the disco or like right. like how
2: do you even sort of segment or all they that, had but, like taking back sunday like way high up on the list and i was like they should have been in the top 10 at least i think right they were or yeah, everybody has, has
1: oh yeah we all have our own sort of opinions of what like email even meant or whatever oh but yeah. to me one of the records that and I, evan i'm not gonna i, I don't want I, I was gonna give you a chance to weigh in on that but since you're on the list i feel like it might necessarily <laughs> not, not necessarily be like a fair uh, i mean question i to be even be asking if you
0: asked if you asked me in my 20s it'd be a highly contentious issue and now that i'm 36 i couldn't give less of a fuck <laughs>
1: Right. right, right. <laughs> Yeah,
2: exactly. But, but you asked me. You asked me at twenty five. I would have
0: been like, "That does. That should not be on there. That is not emo." Yeah. Like, but you just like so. Okay. Wrote him about like a, a big song. long
2: email and just like I <laughs> wasn't.
1: I wasn't going to admit this, but fine. I'm going to admit this. I remember I was a. F- Evan, we're the same age. I'm 36. I remember I was a freshman in college, and an article came out in Guitar World magazine, written by Jim DeRogatis, who I, you know, have a lot of respect for yeah, as a writer. Absolutely. And he wrote an article where, and it was the first time I had ever seen someone in like the major press refer to. A subsegment of emo as Screamo. And let me tell you how upset I was. <laughs> I wrote Jim Dear Guys an, an upset email thing. How dare you, you even use this term? My 17 or 18 year old self is like up in arms about you calling, I don't even know who it was. I can't even, couldn't even tell you. Thursday, whoever the fuck it was in this article. How dare you call them Screamo? That's funny. Gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> One guy's opinion. Uh, 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 yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I love
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> what would you tell what would you tell that freshman in college version of yourself now
1: i would say dude just like keep smoking some weed like chill out <laughs> yeah, a calm bit, bro. down like, because yeah, yeah. that was yeah seriously <laughs> wow well okay i'm gonna talk about one of my favorite records of all time which also is on this list which which incidentally was not this band's top record on this list um Regardless, we're going to talk about Jimmy World Clarity today. So, this is their third LP, came out in 1999. Uh, One of my favorite things, and I've said this before, one of my favorite things about this segment is that, yes, I love this record, I know it inside and out, but I definitely didn't take the time to sort of learn about the background especially of the making of it um as i did now for today so um it was produced by mark trombino um engineered well part of it was engineered by uh nick reskalenitz who's also a very famous engineer now they did the drums only at sound city which i didn't know they did um the rest at someplace called clear lake audio also in hollywood um they're in a this is their third record they're in this kind of position where they're in ca- on capital but capital did not give a fuck about them at the time in fact there are th- the band's theory is that they were kind of like sort of actively trying to get rid of them they didn't like static prevails very much the previous record and they were kind of just they tried to uh, sort of intervene a lot in the making of the record so this one they were just like do whatever you want but also they were probably going to shelve it anyway right so they make this record they approach it it's going to be their last so like Whereas before they were kind of, I mean, if you listen to Static Prevails, there's some good tunes and stuff on there, and people like that record. But it's very much more. You can hear it's 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 kind of a lot more pop punk. It's a little a little more straightforward. This record they definitely didn't care at all about like fitting into any sort of genre or anything. They've got cool. fucking synths or uh, string sections and timpani and and all this crazy percussion. I mean, the last track on the record is like 16 minutes long and mostly drum machine. It's like they they definitely went weird with it. But um, to me, I I mean, I think even listening back today, I still feel like it's a perfect record. Honestly, like Um, there is no bad song
0: on there. It is an unbelievable record. It is unbelievable believable (laughs) like it's it's so good i remember buying it i bought clarity in my freshman year of high school and i bought it because uh i had like just recently discovered sunny day real estate and i went on this tear of just buying any cd that i thought like looked like that or was on a label that was familiar or Mm -hmm. and i knew at the time that uh Jimmy World had had stuff on this label, Big Wheel Recreation, and so I knew that they were like kind of in the world, but I wasn't like super like totally familiar with their stuff yet. And I bought Clarity on a whim. I think I paid like three dollars for it in a UCD bin. And I mean, <laughs> dude, the the beginning of Table for Glasses starts, and it's just like, you know, you're like, first of all, you know, the second that song starts, that you're like in for a ride, like you're about to be taken on a fucking journey. And then totally by the time you get halfway through the record, and you're at like 12 twelve twenty three ninety five, and then you, it's like that. 10 just watch the fireworks for me this is heaven and blister just like in a row which is just like the most um, incredible stack of songs ever
1: <laughs> it's blister, like blister being kind of an interesting one too because that was the last song where jim at the in the previous records jim adkins wasn't the lead singer he was mostly right. just kind of like the, totally. the guitar player and sang a little bit oh. this that and then blister is the only song on clarity where he's not the lead vocalist um i can't remember the other guitar, guitar player's name off the top of my head yeah um what he's still saying you know until, and then, until much later i think one of the most recent records he's he's saying lead a little bit and there's like touchstone moments on this record too like the
0: the feel in goodbye sky harbor and like the um the approach there's like a lot of recording tricks and like your new aesthetic and and sunday and it's just like were oh
1: yeah, well they they use different dr- full full drum kits for sections of the song. Yeah, like the verse are different a full different drum kit than the chorus, which and is they a, tri- have uh, a few different songs. Actually. Yeah, which
0: is a trick into it. Over it's done. It's a trick. that symmetry's done, but it's also influenced like hundreds of fucking bands. Like you, you could say what you want about this record and maybe how it sold. I think initially, which probably wasn't that much. I mean, it's probably sold. It was a failure. Infinitely more it, it, now. It, it, dick. You know, twenty yeah. years later, yep. it's probably done unbelievably better. But like the the influence that this record had on not only their contemporaries and their friends but the the people that you know really just fell in love with this album and 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 you know a really similar story i don't know if you're a fan of the band uh super drag but super drag was you making know, the sort
1: of sort of superficially yeah,
0: yeah they 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 made a follow-up to their like radio hit record which um uh the first record was called regretfully Yours. And in a very similar fashion, they were given this like unbelievable major label budget to make their follow up, which was called head trip in every key. And the band, just like Jimmy world did with clarity, basically took that opportunity to make the record that they knew they would never get a chance to make ever again. And, yep. mm. uh, and so I, if you're coming off of clarity thinking like, Oh, this is really cool. This indie band was like given a massive budget and they were able to just make whatever the fuck they want. And then it was a commercial flop, but who gives a shit? Cause the record's amazing. Um, Head trip in every key is another version of that. It's like almost like the the rock and roll version of that, but the songs are fucking awesome and it sounds incredible and uh they've never been able to do it again just because they've never had the money again. I know
1: so right that is a strong recommendation that i'm absolutely going to take yeah uh, because i can't i've never listened to that for sure i'm positive yeah it's, but amazing. it's it's the crazy thing about it jimmy world was dropped after they made clarity they got dropped by Capitol records it was a commercial failure they made it to like 30 on the billboard chart but didn't really sell shit um then of course you know after that they made bleed american self-title which everyone huge knows record is yeah. yeah hugest one of the biggest records are and and in fact Kind of the, one of the reasons I didn't talk about that one today. Clear, I do like Clarity more than than the self titled Bleed American. The reason I didn't talk about it today is because my vinyl copy I still have a sealed original pressing Bleed American where it will, still says Bleed American like pre nine eleven on it. So. Yeah. I just can't oh, open it up. Right. I'm not gonna. That's it's a good so call. So valuable at this point. I just can't even open it
0: up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can hear, you can it listen sucks. to it on Spotify. I, you know, like, and that's the yeah, thing that's wild exactly. about Bleed American. Which was so funny about Bleed American too is that they, I feel, and check me on this, and I hope maybe if Jim Atkins ever listens to this, he can check me on it. But if I feel like they made that record on their own and then shopped it. And then wound up getting re-signed to a major label deal, which is like, it was almost like the Wilco story with Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, where right. it's like, the, they, Intel, yep. you know, and and where they could, you know, kind of have this falling from grace and then come back and have a bigger career than they'd ever had ever, you know, which is just a testament That's to, en- it's just a testament to endurance and, and quality of songwriting and just being a good band, you know, like ultimately, and, and it's always been my opinion that like, if you're a good band and you work hard and you're just decent as a human, like you, there's no reason why you shouldn't be successful. And like... You know, I've I've never been all three of those things at one time all the time and, and, <laughs> not, and not every and not every other band is either. But like, you know, I think in the story of of a band like Jimmy World, it's like th- there's nothing but a positive and beautiful reputation surrounding that band throughout, you know, exactly, decades yeah. worth of being a band. So, you know, good on them. You know, it's like I, it's it's like truly like the ultimate emo success story
1: yeah. <laughs> you know like it's, no, a, no, it's such a great point and they, they did get all three because like you said they have this reputation of just being generally good people but then they also made this beautiful piece of art along to go along with that like we all have friends who are like cool dudes and whatever and, and they're in, in like decent bands but maybe they you know no, not everybody's made clarity so this is like an <laughs> yeah. example where someone was able to yeah. kind of like combine all those things at once it's awesome I'm glad you chose that record. Wow. That's All a right. really,
0: really good choice. That's a, You know, and it's a record I don't yeah, talk man. about enough. I feel like I always, whenever I do, uh, you know, I'm in a situation where I talk about records, I always defer to like my two favorite bands, which are, uh, Pearl Jam and Sunny Day Real Estate; and those are always like the two I default to. And and talking about a record like Clarity, like now we're gonna get off this podcast, and I'm gonna listen to Clarity again. Which, Definitely uh, gonna go
1: listen to it as, yeah. as you should. And I and I, and so it, as I was weighing what I was gonna do today, because I, number one on that list was Diary by Sunny Day Real Estate, which is also one of my favorite records. It could have gone that way, but I was just like, you know what? Haven't listened to Clarity in a minute. That's where I'm going today. Yeah, I'm glad you did. <laughs> me too. Well, that's enough about me let's talk a little bit more more about you evan although no. i will say you've done an excellent job of just being uh being here with us and, yeah. and doing all the all the segments you know sometimes you have to remind people like hey chime in haven't had to do that with you no love it, it so much well yeah but i mean i I've, I'm, just, couple, I'm just i'm just taking a randos. i'm just taking a chance here i mean you know i'm, I'm chiming in and talking over y'all
0: and, and just trying to interject myself in that's the conversation. what we want maybe and maybe that's maybe, you, maybe that's annoying i don't know i feel like you know it would feel weird to just like sit and listen to you guys jab for <laughs> yeah.
1: 20 minutes it's, it's not annoying yeah do Bit more, yeah, you called that. me, but you, this, this you called little me, little more you know, you. <laughs> <laughs> you picked up, man. Yeah, it could have been anybody. <laughs> All right, this is a couple two tree randos where we uh just ask you a couple two tree rando questions to, to start to get to low, know you a little bit more uh, okay. than we do already. So, first question if you could swap places with any band member of any band, past or present, regardless of your talent or theirs. Uh, living or dead doesn't matter uh, if you could just swap places with any band member, who would that be? And why? Oh, Dave Grohl. Easy. In, in So like his life or in a, as the drummer, Nirvana, like, do, do you, have a specific? Uh, no, I mean, I, there was, you know, we had conversations. This used to be a common question
0: in the, Intuit over a fan for years when we were touring, like who would be like the dream person that you could switch places with where you're like generally overall really well liked you played in like the coolest fucking bands of all time but maybe your responsibility wasn't like super crazy and actually dave grohl might not be my final answer because for a while i always thought the really good answer was and and this is going to maybe sound silly but i'm going to justify it in a moment was uh ringo star i always thought okay. ringo star would have been a would have been a really interesting answer because you're in the beatles you're like one of the most recognized musicians of all time Yet you're like the one no one really cares about that much. <laughs> so, you, so you can like kind of go and just do your own thing and like and no one you Dude, know every, totally lower stakes and yeah. everyone's like yeah Ringo you're eh, all right you know like just kind of like Oh you're Ringo you're cool
2: you know so it's like, that's the, like uh, <laughs> you're like the kicker on the football team or something exactly you know and it's, it's like you know you were there you're like, you like still, got, you're still got a Super Bowl ring but you know yeah you got you the ring but you clutch, didn't you but... didn't have
0: to you're not you have to do press all the time you're not like fucking right the, you're not like Paul McCartney you know what I mean like it's like it's, right, it's a totally right. different the stakes are way lower so that was always one that I thought like Ringo would be a really good one. um you know plus he was like on fucking thomas the tank engine he's like got this kind of he's got the earring and he's like fucking real cool and you know it's i don't know yeah so lots of great experiences with ringo star another one that i thought would be really awesome was uh kurt Ballou from converge i always felt like oh hell yeah you, you know you're in the you're in the most influential metal hardcore band of all time you own the coolest fucking recording studio you're like doing whatever you want and just having you're fucking vibing in massachusetts and like I thought that was like a rat. like you're purely influential yeah, and well guitars respected. And pedals and shit now yeah, too. It's awesome. Yeah. So that was another one. But then, yeah. Then Dave Grohl, it's like, you're in Nirvana, you're in the Foo Fighters, you're, you're fucking, you got it made, you know, you're well-liked and respected. You've, yeah. You, yeah. He can know, do no wrong. Like everything he, really he touches, can, you know, like
2: excellent. Yeah. He's just a
0: cool dude, you know, like, <laughs> like, whatever you know he's got travel tattoos who cares he's a cool dude <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey who didn't well, I, <laughs> heard a, I heard i heard it there was there was there was a josh Homme quote one time it was like I can't remember exactly what it was, but essentially it was basically like I get a lot of people who are like, hey, man, can I like play in your band? And it's and it's like, dude, well, are you like better or cooler than Dave Grohl? Because that's yeah. like who I usually get to call when <laughs> yeah, yeah. my band or like John Theodore or Thomas Pridgen or whoever. Right. So, dude, you know, what? Yeah, I think I think Grohl is kind of the ultimate answer.
0: Grohl's yeah. a good one. And, you know, yeah. another one that came up last night while we were uh, I was hanging. We were doing a podcast for the, the Patreon and um, Josh Freese was the other one that came up. That's cool. He's Which, played like, on so much shit. That's what I mean. He's just unbelievably talented, and he's like the the, and he's in every fucking band. He's played with everybody, and it feels like he's still not like, he's not famous, but he's famous. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like you, right. You couldn't yeah. spot. I couldn't spot him on the. Street. Everybody's
1: heard his drums on like Nine Inch Nails, but you probably didn't know that it was him.
0: Exactly, and it's like he's fucking set up. His career is amazing. You know, like his pedigree is amazing. His talent is amazing. It's like who. That's that would be a really cool one also, I feel. Um, another one would be uh like Jeff Ament from Pearl Jam. He's like living in oh, Montana, yeah. he's skateboard and he's listening to hardcore, he's fucking just playing bass in like the <laughs> like the greatest rock band of all time. Like he's just like fucking that one's awesome. And I would say Eddie, but like I wouldn't wanna be Eddie and then not be able to
2: watch Eddie anymore and then not be able to watch him yeah that's that's a big part of the question is like do you well, want to a huge part of take away from the person who actually is up there that you want to be with you know, so. but then i also oh, think like awesome.
0: then i also think like if i for, if i traded places with dave Roll, for example dude i don't the Foo Fighters would just take like a nosedive in success <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to look at it you, I could just burn. you know what,
1: the Foo Fighters have done enough as far as I'm concerned yeah. they have enough cool songs and records like they can they can take a couple records off to let you live out this fantasy okay.
0: I mean it's well if Dave Grohl ever wants to trade places with me I mean I've got a beautiful apartment here in Chicago and uh, I'd be right. happy <laughs> first, folks. I'd be happy to move into his you know Hollywood home and wherever that is <laughs> okay. use
1: that, sound- that Sound City desk in his garage yeah alright yeah, right, <laughs> let's keep this train rolling here what? Um, and this, I'm asking this question for a specific reason, which I'll get to. But what is your favorite video game? Oh, of all time, it could be your favorite game or series, whichever is, is easier for you to come up with. So, I realize that is not a, an easy question. So I
0: think I think my, you know, I've thought about this a lot lately, and I haven't played it in a long time either because I don't have a way to play it. Although I do have the cartridge in my apartment. Is uh, Toe Jam and Earl this is my favorite video game?
2: Oh yeah, I used to love that. Wow, curveball.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. I so I've been going, I've been doing this lockdown project where I, I'm calling it 16 bit bangers where I'm playing back through like all these old Genesis and Super Nintendo and like weird Japanese Famicom stuff that I just like never got a chance to try before. Right. Toe Jam and Earl, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not my favorite, but it's main, it's, it's still on the bangers list. Yeah. I'll put it that way. You it's know, like and not I, the top of my, my list, but it's on the list.
0: And I didn't start smoking weed until I was in my late twenties, early thirties. So I've, I've never been able to play the game high but yeah. to me to me it feels like it changes everything the, it feels like the perfect stoner game like you're just walking around uh, open field, trying to find your ship, you know, like, and you're just vibing. Yeah. You're you're opening know, Funkotron. You're opening. <laughs> well, no, you're well, no. On Toe Jam Mineral One, you're on Earth.
1: Oh, that's a sequel. You're right. Yeah, yeah.
0: which planet? The Funkotron Toe Jam Mineral is really good, also, but that's different. It's like a side scroller with like guns, you know, which is like different. I, I actually was kind of bummed that they did it that is. because, like, with the original, it's just like you're walking around these maps and you're trying to avoid Earthlings who are trying to freak you out, and you're just vibing. You're just trying to get your ship together so it's you can go home. By. And so there was a there was an well, idea there was an idea that Pet Symmetry had because we're putting out a new record next year, and uh, the idea was that the, we would make a video game in a very similar fashion that we're trying to be the first band on Earth to play a show on Mars. <laughs> so right. we so we want to play a show on Mars and we take our spacecraft up into you know, up into space and the spacecraft crashes on an on an unknown planet. I don't know how it, like it's totally silly and nonsensical, but like. We crash land on a, on an alternate planet, and we have to basically find all of our gear on this other planet, so we can wind up playing a show. We can actually like play the show in space, and uh, that is genius. And That's so awesome. now, so and, now we're and, trying- and
1: I'll play this game. No, let me take this step further for you. You might have already had this idea. Do you, Do you? Either of y'all remember playing the emo game back in the day? Oh
0: yes, absolutely. And I actually have to watch. You need out. to find.
1: Oh. You need to find the, the the developer of that game to make the like the emo game 4.0 for your band.
0: Well, so so to your point, in when we were putting intersections out, into whatever it was putting intersections out, I wanted that to be part of the rollout. I actually wanted to find the emo game, and we did. We had to communicate, and he did not. He declined doing it. But I wanted to make a oh, new. Wow. I wanted to make a new version of emo game with all of the new bands and have it be like because there was this whole joke about there being a second wave of emo and like i wanted it to be like uh or like the third wave whatever wave i was a part of wanted it to be right. like you know like me and like and you know world is and foxing and algernon and like i wanted all of those bands to be represented in emo game with a, like a brand new plot and um like we're all trying to like take down spotify or something <laughs> <laughs> you know like i thought that'd be really really funny
1: kind of do like a 1.5 at one point where they where they did add some more people in i feel like that i have vague memories of that happening.
0: yeah i mean i i mean dude i haven't played emo games since i was in in middle school or high school like i think it was like when i was in like 2001 you know when i was playing that on my ms dos yeah. like fucking old computer clunky ass <laughs> computer
1: I, after we're done here, I am going to go and see if it is still possible. Well, actually, you know what? They're killing Flash on the internet, so I don't even know how you'd possibly play that anymore. Yeah. I, I, right. I
0: actually, I didn't know that was a thing. They're actually getting rid of Flash. I, you know, like December
1: yeah. 2020, Google Chrome is removing Chrome's not Flash. to have it. Interesting. Which means everyone will. So Adobe's already re- released statements like, hey, you know, thanks for being part of this technology for however many years. Like, we're excited for all the other shit that we do. Right. Yeah. wow getting into flash games here crazy talk all right but Uh, so but yeah but but i I just want to
0: real quick before i move on i just want to shout out if anybody wants if anybody wants to make the pet symmetry toe jam and earl style video game where we find our gear please hit us up because we will we will pay you to make that game
1: (laughs) send us send us an email at gearbudspodcast (laughs) at gmail.com we will make sure to uh to forward that along this question comes from our previous guest uh from two weeks ago right we had yeah. a we had a little duo cast last week so i guess that would be episode 81 jovia armstrong that was a freaking amazing episode if you haven't listened after yeah. this one definitely definitely go back and check it out but um her question for you is if you could bring back one antiquated piece of tech what would that be and why antiquated piece of tech um maybe it's ms dos so we can play emo game <laughs>
0: i have uh, i'm trying to think like what is antiquated because i use tons of antiquated shit um
1: right i'm literally staring at my vinyl collection right next to me right yeah there. i'm like so,
0: what how more antiqua- i have five record players in my house how, more, how much more antiquated can I get? <laughs> <laughs> um you know I, I think uh something i've gotten really into and something that i use all the time still is uh, like cassettes and um i use cassette technology a lot like Whether I have this old Casio RG5 guitar that I use, like, cassette function on to make, like, kind of tape loop stuff with guitar. And then uh, similar, like, a Caliphone cassette recorder that we used to make, like, little loops on. But then also uh, a lot of, like, 80s rack mount delays, which are, like, totally, really not a thing anymore. It's, like, definitely, like, kind of vintage recording technology, which I got turned Mm -hmm. on to from. John Vanderslice a Tiny Telephone when we made a record of Tiny Telephone. He got me really hooked oh, on
1: speaking of, man. Yeah, rest he, in peace Tiny Telephone San Francisco. I
0: know. And we just put out uh we made a record there 5 or 6 years ago called Standards and and we just released the B-sides to that record this month. It was kind of this poetic way to like send wow. off Tiny Telephone that we released the 7-inch this this month. Um but yeah, he got me really hooked on things like the Lexicon Primetime, the uh, PCM 41 and 42, the Ibanez AD 202. And those are things that like, I came home from that session and bought all of them was like, you know, now I'm using those on people's recordings and it's like, it just brings this level of chaos and, uh, really good tone to any record that you're working on. Um, which you can recreate with a lot of modern tools like, um, like Chase Bliss's Blooper and, uh, you know, um, the Microcosm by Hologram. And, like, these are just some, like, brand new releases from this year that kind of do something a little similar. But, like, it isn't, sure. it isn't totally the same. There isn't, like, this level, this, like, warmth and uh, just uh, the unknown that you can get out of just, like, on the fly turning knobs and switches while you're using those delays. And so... Um, mm-hmm. So that is an antiquated technology that I've actually been pitching to to partners, you know, through work because, you know, the thing that I do at work is is a lot of brand partnership work and, and new product release marketing and stuff like that where I'm just like trying to get anybody to be like, can anyone recreate the Lexicon primetime in a pedal format? Like that is like the right. one thing I want. Please, can somebody do it? And no one's, no one, that conversation just like feels like it stops dead in the water every time I bring it up. <laughs> right.
1: Well, you heard it you heard it here Lexicon or any Shark processor developers make that freaking pedal. Yeah, Let's 82
0: at the Ibanez 8202. I want to be able to go from the doubling to the flange and back in a single in a single movement with, this, with a with similar form factor. And I mean it's it's really just delay chorus doubler flange in one in one rack mount, but you can like quickly dial in between
1: effects and use them kind of all <laughs> at once. <laughs> that doesn't sound too hard to me. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that shouldn't be impossible. It's not. It's All right. Last part, a couple of two true randos here. This is what question would you like us to ask our next guest? And you don't get to know who it is, but you do get to know that they're just another person uh, who is in the music world. Uh, what is your what was your first car and how did it die? <laughs> you I it's you're putting me to shame first of all because I think I might steal that question uh but uh now now I need to know and I'm gonna start with you Dave what was your first car and how did it die I
2: had a 1992 Toyota Celica uh GT and uh it died I I got it all the way through college and um there's a funny story the the spoiler flew off on the highway (laughs) uh, because it just came on unattached once and um anyways like you know, I had it. I think I brought it home. Like I pulled over and grabbed it. It didn't go too far. And I, uh, I brought it home. And then when I went to sell the car, I went to trade it in for like a newer Acura or something. And the guy was like, I said, uh, I said to him, I go, hey, uh, you know, I've got the spoiler at home, you know, for the trade in if, if that's going to sweeten the deal or whatever. And he goes, son, where this thing's going, it's not going to need a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> like Back to the Future,
0: dude. He just hit you with the fucking yeah, dock, dock, mountain <laughs> dude. He, to- yeah, he totally docked me, man. But uh,
2: so that's that's the story. Dark it ground. didn't technically die, but it was it was on its last wheels for sure. What about you guys? <laughs> oh, nice pawn. No, it was on its last wheels. <laughs> my first car was actually
1: uh my favorite that I've ever had. Um, my my for my senior year of high school, my parents were like, hey, if you get the scholarship. Uh, we'll buy you a car, so you know I got it. And I was just like wanna be musician band guy, so I got my parents to get me. It was a 1989 Chevy conversion van. Oh wow! Oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was a Dodge. Wait, is it? I'm 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 mixing it up anyways it's it's like if you ever if you picture just like a shitty band conversion van yeah. it's exactly what you're picturing uh, it was blue um, it had it had two captain's chairs and nothing in the back so I just basically started living out of that it had like my gear and my like football pads and my school books right. and that was just, it just became like what I lived out of did it have the um, curtain it was amazing it had curtains it also had a shitty little uh CRT television that sort of Hell worked yeah it had running lights that we called sex lights yep um and uh, spoiler alert did not have sex in this van <laughs> uh, but uh, it died because well, well before I get to that so I, I grew up on the south side of Chicago my high school was in Hyde Park so like I had to you know drive to schools like 25 30 minute drive or whatever and I remember driving home one day go, I took the Dan Ryan home and there's this big curve getting down to where i grew up and um i got i took this i still to this day don't know what came over me but i decided to flatline like pushed i I drove the thing as fast as it would go i got this (laughs) thing going around this turn the speedometer went up to 110 miles an hour and it was past the 110 shaking violently um So, you know, it should be no surprise that it died shortly thereafter. In fact, um, my parents, it would have cost, the alternator fell out. I was driving home from school and in a very bad neighborhood, and my car just died. And this is pre-cell phones, mind you, so I just had to sort of, like, stand in the middle of the street um but um the car was so she- uh, cheap and shitty that we just left it there it would have been more expensive to, to repair tow it than yeah. to actually yep. uh, fix it so that Damn. was the beginning and end of my of my first car
0: you know it's funny henry i, I feel didn't... like i feel like we're connected in this kismet kind of way because my first car also was a conversion van um it Whoa. was a it was a 1998 ford e150 and it uh um, it was green. It had the curtains. It had the captain's chairs. It was, uh, you know, and I bought it. I basically got a uh, scholarship to go to school, um, I like a music scholarship. And I was going to go to Drexel, to basically bailed on going to Drexel at the last minute and took my scholarship money and bought a van with it instead. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> wow. That's so, a very
2: parallel story.
0: And so uh, I, I drove that van for um, about, well, I, I would have gotten it in 2003. And then I drove it you know, similarly to how you're talking, like I drove it like a Porsche until, um, you know, <laughs> 2008 when I moved here and then I sold it actually, when I moved here to somebody who was moving to, to California and I actually never knew how quite how it died. I actually never got the update on the end of the end of the van. And I remember we used to call it the pickle because it was this like dark green color and the license plate was PCK 18 L. And so, oh, and so it was, that's it was brilliant. the pickle, um, my first car though was shortly after that i'd inherited a car from my grandmother when she passed away it was a 1996 dodge intrepid which there are several songs about several Intuit over songs about and it was nicknamed carol the car and uh carol uh i toured in it when i was touring solo i would tour in this car everywhere and um and then eventually like toward the end of the car's life it was uh the the intrepid from 96 was like early stages of people putting like computers and cars and yeah right so so like toward the end of its life the the computer began to over like started to act up and like we couldn't figure out what the problem was but you'd be driving it and all of a sudden like all the gauges even though the car was still running all the gauges would like go to zero out of nowhere or like (laughs) flicker or the radio would just turn on and off by itself like it it was like the car it was like the car was haunted like the ac would just kick on without any warning and so i for a while it kind of felt like my grandmother the ghost of my grandmother was like haunting the car but in like kind of (laughs) in like kind of a funny way like it wasn't like it wasn't doing anything mean-spirited or evil it was just like speaking to us and i remember there was one moment where me and my ex were parked in the car outside of the apartment and the gauges like the car the car was off i turned the car off and the radio kicked on and the gauges started flickering and i was like uh you know my mom you know, and and then the AC kicked on when I said my mom's name and we were like, ah, you know, like freaked out and like jumped out of the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so shortly after that, uh I wasn't even in the car when it died. You know, my ex was driving the car and it was down Armitage Avenue and and it just gave out and um yeah. You know, it was a really sad day and, and shir- you know, shortly after that I got the van that I have now, which is uh now up to 320,000 miles. And, oh my god! Damn. And and may and may go at any moment. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: but that's my daily driver.
0: That's
1: a, that that a hell of a story. Uh, are either of you fans of the band Piebald?
0: Oh, loved Piebald! Yeah, love love them. They also. have.
1: I I keep I keep thinking about this one song uh, on their. Um Wow, you're, I'm totally blanking on even on the name of the record right now, but it's a song about their about their bus that you're died. thinking. They, you're they thinking of a, personify.
0: You're thinking of the song "King of the Road," which is on uh, "King of the Road." That's we are exactly the only friends right. that we have. First, it's the first song, and we
1: are the only thank friends you. That we have. Yes, the oh, opening wow. track. And it's, and it's basically like this, they're, they're like, they're like love story to their, their dead van and like wondering what happened to it. And like talking about how whenever, anytime they see this, like, you know, like a short bus on the road, they imagine that that is their old bus and all this sort of stuff. It's, it's a pretty, it's a, it's, I love that song a lot. And I'm not normally like a, despite being a lyricist, like I'm not a huge lyrics listener always, but for some reason that story is always kind of just stuck with me.
0: Well, so the, the cover of, uh, if it weren't for Venetian blinds, which is the record right before that is the bus. And so, uh, so the photo of the bus is the record before, and then the photo of the next record. They there's a reference in that song where they talk about taking the door off the van and keeping it as a souvenir. And on the cover of "We Are the Only Friends We Have" is the door of the van, um, or door of the bus rather. So, like they did actually keep it as a souvenir. And um, Hmm. yeah, I mean in terms of love songs to your cars, I you know I'm a big fan of a car love song, and I'm sure when this when this van when uh, Vanessa the van passes, you know there will be. There will be a love song to Vanessa the band. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know maybe it's one of those things where like you shouldn't wait until it's dead maybe you should write the song now so it knows how much it just, it's a pre- she's appreciated while she's alive yeah. it's, it's <laughs> and sweet. just play it in the you know even if i tried to play it in the stereo
0: the van the whole right side of the speakers in the van no longer work so i only get the left channel uh, <laughs> so, I'd to, like, so i'd have to pan, pan like everything left decisions are made for you already yeah. <laughs> yeah that would be so funny to write and record <laughs> a song where around everything around. is panned left and so it, yeah right yeah <laughs> That's, that's kind of so. to be Final release, yeah.
1: Made to be played in the van, the, this van only. <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles—that's what they had in mind with all, like all the original mono pressings before before they went stereo. They're like, you know what? Someday. Vanessa, she's going to need this. <laughs> wow. That was, that was a successful couple of two tree randos. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for your generosity. You're uh, welcome. And, uh, let's, let's take it back a little bit. Uh, so I know you're not from Chicago originally. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in a town called Cherry Hill,
0: New Jersey, which is uh, about 15 minutes from Philadelphia on the New Jersey side. So, um, kind of right in between the Pine Barrens and Philadelphia and, uh, yeah, it was the town I grew up in—the same house that my my mom grew up in and all her brothers and sisters. It was like the third or fourth house in Cherry Hill, built in the fifties, and um, which is still the house that my mom and dad live in now. And um, yeah, I moved to Chicago in two thousand eight. Uh, I lived here for a little bit in two thousand three, and then again moved here permanently in two
1: thousand eight. What? Um, so I mean, when you're back in Cherry Hill, what <clears throat> what do you remember? What what it was that made you kind of want to get into the music thing to begin with was it was there a lot of music in the house were your parents sort of encouraging that
0: yeah so my my mom uh played in a in a punk band sang in a punk band in the 80s called denny and the dropouts and uh and they and she met my father who was playing in like a, a funk band um through doing shows together like they had they had met um you know through like show promotion and and just like the philly scene and so yes music was a big part of big thing in the house growing up um they you know by the time i was born they were playing in a wedding band together and the band used to rehearse at my parents house and um Uh, or at the house that I grew up in and you know they had a bunch of records you know I my parents were also like very into what was current so like I feel like I had a lot of friends whose like first records were you know like yeah like the Beatles the Stones maybe Led Zeppelin Mm -hmm. you know which like my parents love those records too but like I was also being raised with like Bowie and Depeche Mode and The Police and you know like uh all these bands that were really current when you know being born in 84 like these were records that were coming out in 84 that my parents were buying Mm -hmm. and, and playing in the house so um so i was pretty fortunate in that way i mean my my like and and i'm and don't get me wrong that that being fortunate and privileged in that in that matter does not fall short on me i know that is like a rare thing that like in 1992 my parents for Christmas gave me Nirvana's Nevermind on CD because they heard it on fucking public radio, which was wow. before, which was before smells like teen spirit hit like major rock radio. Like they just heard it on like uh, NPR. <laughs> so we're like, you right. know, like we thought you'd think this was cool. And like, sure enough, I really did think it was cool. And like got super into grunge, um, which kind of dictated. Dude, that's
1: amazing. I'm, similarly, my, my dad bought my mom a copy of Pearl jam 10 for Christmas when that came out. And like, not a lot of people were in households where that sort of thing was happening at that time where they were like keeping up with it super lucky to have that kind of shit yeah Yeah, totally
0: and so like you know they were very encouraging and and uh you know when i told when i asked to play guitar like when i wanted to play guitar they you know they didn't think that was strange they were like yeah totally but i actually when i first got guitar i was taking lesson i was taking lessons from this my guitar teacher at the time and they were trying to teach me like scales and like you know, mm-hmm. classical pieces and how to read music, and I just did not give a fuck about that. I couldn't have cared less. I was like, "Can you teach? I want to learn how to play the sweater song by Weezer." Right, right. <laughs> can you show me? <laughs> can you mean. show me Green Day, please? I really would like Green Day. Um, so, like, I I got really really bored with it, and uh, you know, basically, I got the I got it probably in like the third or fourth grade. Didn't really pursue it, and then fifth grade rolled around, and um, I had my best friend. Him and his little brother were learning guitar and uh, they were they were like, Oh, you know, you you have a guitar too, right? And I was like, Yeah, yeah. They were like, Do you want to start a band? And so we didn't know what that meant. We were just like, Yeah, band. You know, like we get together and we have our guitars and like that's that's being in a band, <laughs> <All> right? right?
1: <laughs> so so we started oh, shockingly still true. Yeah, yeah, so
0: we started hanging out and like, you know, we were kinda trying to maybe figure out how to write songs, but I wasn't really doing anything. And then we we're like, All right, well we need a drummer and like our friend Jason who was like our good bud, but had never played the drums before? We were we were just like being in a band with Jason; it would be fun. So like, Jason, you want to play drums in our band? And he convinced his parents to let him get a drum set. So we're like, okay, cool, we got the drummer. And then we realized we needed a bass player because three of us play guitar. We're like, bands have bass, you know? Like, oh shit, we got yeah, and nobody wants to give
2: up guitar for bass. <laughs>
0: well, so so this is so. And to your point, this is so funny. We, me and Mike, my best friend, rock paper scissored on the playground. For who was going to have to play bass? Like the loser was going to have to hysterical. play bass. And so I, <laughs> I lost rock paper scissors, so I had to play bass in the band. <laughs> wow. So I go home, I go home, and I'm like, well, I lost rock paper. I gotta play bass. Can you get like a bass? You know, my, my parents are like, what? We thought you were playing guitar. I was like, yeah, I know, but like I gotta be the bass player in the band. I, I lost, you know. And so they yeah. got me like, so they got me like an old Ibanez. Uh, it was like the starter pack bass, right? Sure. and then we and then we started actually being able to like kind of write songs and the thing was was that mike's brother who was younger so when we were in the fifth grade he was in the first grade
2: what, what? Shit.
0: was so much better at guitar than the rest no of no way like it was a shredder and and there was a big there was a big uh concern when that was happening because when you're in the fifth grade the last thing you want to do is be hanging out with a first grader <laughs> right yeah, it's a like
2: a huge age gap at
0: that time at, at that age like it's in fact yeah. that age gap doesn't go away until you're like 24 and yeah, when you're exactly, 20 yeah. when you're 24 and someone's 21 like then it's cool but like until yep. then it is not cool <laughs> and so no. you know we uh but eventually we realized like he was just way way better than us and that band that we started in the fifth grade as we kept playing and got in through high school Became the Progress, which was like the first the first band that I was in. That was like a real band where we like toured nationally and put records out, and um, oh, wow. you know, and are still my really good friends. And was to it this still day. that
1: that the sh- the first grade shredder? Was he still the guitar player?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, the whole band, the band lineup of that band has forever been the the four of us, and so um, that's awesome, and then, dude. And so it started out. The band started out being called J A R, which was the name of our favorite Green Day song at the time, and then we changed the name in, uh, when we got to high school. So like when we were 15, we changed the name to the progress and that was the, that was the name that stayed until about 2008 when we broke up and, um, and, uh, yeah, we put out a couple, we put out a record on negative progression and actually, uh, what's wild is I'm in the process right now of getting the vinyl pressed for the very first time. Um, so there was like our, like our LP on negative progression or we had an EP that we self-released. They had another EP that came out on this Philly label called watch the city burn And, um, and so all of those are going to get a vinyl reissue this year, which is like,
1: are you, are you able to go back and listen through the multi-tracks?
0: I'm not, I wish I, I wish I actually had the multi-track sessions for those. Um, that'd be crazy. I know. And, and they're, and that's the thing, like, I'm super proud of all of those recordings still. Like, I don't listen back to those, those recordings from our freshman year and go like, ugh, you know, like I actually like really still love those songs. And, um, you know, I'm not, I don't think it's like, uh, You know, I I definitely like the JAR stuff. Like when we were in elementary school, like that stuff's a little is definitely really cringy. But like, I think by the time we got to freshman year, we had kind of like dialed it in. And so it sounds young, and it sounds like we're teenagers, but it also like Mm -hmm. sounded good. And uh, and and so
1: obviously, I'm I'm definitely gonna go check it out. I haven't heard any of this yet. But were you already kind of? I mean, when you listen back to that, does it sound to you like yourself, or is it? Were you already kind of moving into this? Uh, whatever you want to call it, emo world that you, you you seem to live in these days. Like, was it already kind of in that kind of oh, yeah. ballpark? No,
0: absolutely. I mean, like the first song. I mean, like all we wanted to do was sound like The Promise Ring and Braid. That was like the okay. the whole point oh, of that, that band. Um, and the the whole discography is on Spotify. So if you go there, it's like starts with the LP and then yeah. works its cool. way backwards. But yeah, I mean, we were we were unbelievably influenced by. Yeah, I mean, to your point about Clarity, like, Clarity was a big touchstone record for what we were really into. We loved Sunday to Real Estate. We loved, you know, at that point, by the time we were in middle school, we were, like, finding out what emo was. And, uh, you know, our parents were also super cool about us going to shows and, like, dropping us off at shows. And, like, you know... Right. Um, there was a really good local scene in South Jersey, like, a really good VFW scene. And so there were always places... At, at, almost every night of the week, it felt like there was a show going on. And... um and so we got really engaged in that, me especially, and was just like always out at a, at whatever local show was happening and um, getting to see some really cool national touring bands play some really, really small rooms that are like, right. it's like pretty awesome.
1: Man, you know, it's funny, I was kind of reflecting on, you were talking about <clears throat> already in this like middle school and high school, already kind of forming this musical identity and knowing emo was this thing that you were into. And and I got into some cool stuff back then, but it was more so like Indian metal. And I was kind of thinking about when I got into emo music. And it really, I'd already gotten into, like I said, Clarity and Jimmy at World, but a lot of the like sort of stuff I've mentioned, Moss Icon, Mineral, that sort of stuff, like the Rites of Spring, early stuff, I was oblivious to until I met someone in college that actually went on to play in your band. And his name is Nick Uh, Mm. Wakim. I can't remember how I met him but we both went to U of I and he made me like an emo mix CD with like all of the shit that we've talked about that yeah, I've yeah. never heard of before. Um, and that was, I think it, I can't remember. He might've like, seen my old band play at a shitty little place. I don't, we, we became friends somehow and he made me the CD and like still to this day, it's like if I, I wish I could find it, but I remember it having just like the coolest shit ever that I had never even, I don't even know how like you would have even found out about it at that I point. mean, that's, you know, and that's a big
0: way that I got into bands too. It's just like trading tapes with people or like trading CDs mm-hmm. with people. And honestly, it was like a big thing for like dating in high school. It's like, you know, you meet someone and they make you a mix CD and vice versa and, yeah. um, but like you know to your point like you know meeting someone like Nick when I moved here because I moved here and didn't really know anybody and I think when you move to a new city it takes a couple years to like really kind of find your 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 people you know like I think like you have totally. you have that kind of like first wave friends when you move to a new city and it's just like the initial people that you meet maybe like the people that are friends with your roommate and, or like you know uh, right. to your point like people you meet in college you know this kind of thing and then once you kind of spend some time and really get to dial in those relationships. I feel like two, three years into it, you find your like core group. And, uh, meeting Nick was, was like, I would met someone who I knew my whole life. It was like, you know, somebody who, uh, knew all the bands that I knew, knew all the references that I knew, like had done the research in a very similar way that I had done going through high school and college. And like our opinions were really aligned when it came to, uh, you know, creative things. I think it was very, it was very few and far between that we would have a disagreement about like what bands were good or bad. And like, and I think that really shaped our ability to communicate as writers and as creative entities, you know, like I haven't spoken to Nick in a really, really long time, but like, you know, I look back on that moment very fondly where it's like, you know, coming here, not knowing anyone and feeling like I found someone I knew my whole life.
1: Yeah. You know, that's pretty shortly thereafter. And then sometimes sometimes, Sometimes I was just gonna say sometimes like in terms of musical chemistry It's not even about your chops lining up. It's like do your influences line up. Do you like hanging out? Do you like being in the same room as each other? Do you feel mm-hmm. comfortable making a mistake or being vulnerable in a room with someone yeah. more so than like oh Can they fucking rip which right. I, don't get me wrong that helps a bonus sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean I didn't know that Nick could play or not play when we
0: started playing the first time You know, like I'd never seen him play. I'd yeah. never I'd never like um I, I, I know that I'd been at a show that Oceans had played, but I hadn't paid attention to like Nick's drumming and Oceans. And like I'd seen Castavette play, but like when we were playing music together, he wasn't playing guitar. And so it was like, you know, I was going on the trust of like, he knows what I'm trying to do and trying to achieve. And we have the same vision and he's confident that he can bring a really good stylized drumming to that vision and uh mm-hmm. and that was good enough for me to like explore that, and it be- wound up being so easy like writing with Nick was uh unbelievably easy experience and I mean you can hear you can hear it like just how much fun we're having from the everyone everywhere split through probably like the end of proper, just like where we were in the zone. I think that was all within like a year that we wrote all those songs, and it was like you know it was effortless it just like it just like fell out of us yeah. you know like. Um, so yeah that and that's a rare thing and I, I've been really fortunate in that way with meeting other musicians like you know I was able to do that with Josh Sparks and I'm able to do that with Adam now and it's like you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I've gotten really lucky that way, you know, and, and even though like life changes and, you know, personalities change and directions change, like, right. you know, it's, it's, I still can look back on all those moments and be like, wow, that was like lightning in a bottle, you know, like what a special moment, you know.
1: Well, and you've kind of touched on something that I definitely want to explore a bit with you. And that's the fact that, <clears throat> I mean, looking back on everything that you, that you're not only working on right now, but have put out throughout your, your musical career, a very motivated, prolific writer. And it, it seems like that probably, it seems like that started early on i mean do you have uh, have you done reflection on that do you know what drives that is there is there something that you can point to for maybe someone listening who doesn't have the amount of uh, material out there that you've been able to put out something that like is there anything that you can tell us like how we can be as prolific as you basically (laughs) well i mean it's
0: uh i don't know um i'm not classically trained in any way i mean this goes back to the conversation about like uh you know did i like what my guitar lessons were like, you know, like I never learned my scales. I don't know how to, if you hand me a guitar in standard tuning, I can play cowboy chords on it, but I really like don't know what I'm doing. And so I'm not looking at music from, and I don't know if this has anything to do with being prolific, but I don't look at music like a, um, with like a science behind it. You know, everything, everything for me is feel and touch and memory, you know? And so, um, you know, and I kind of had some assistance early on, like I, you know, doubling, even doubling back on the fact that like the progress was really young when we were a band. We also had a super supportive scene and we had somebody in New Jersey who like spearheaded, uh, like owned and operated a recording studio and still does. That is like the central hub for everybody's band. So it was really easy for us to like be consistently creative and know what resources we needed to be consistently creative. And it's like now jumping forward 20 years later, it's like, you know we recognize that uh, situation where it's like okay we're all working on material it makes more sense for us to build a studio and operate our own studio space than it does to be relying on anybody else like wait we can just be relying on ourselves like we have the talent we have the know-how and like not everybody has the same talents but collectively we can we can create this like uh what's the fucking in Power Rangers where they become the the giant borg or whatever. <laughs> it's like oh, the, oh, yeah. the yeah. arms It's like yeah, the Voltron. arms and the legs and they got the head yeah. and it's like it all comes together and it's like this one this one fucking thing, you know, and we all have opinions and voices and we all have talents and strengths and it's like together that creates one one big thing. And I think so that's the biggest thing that I could suggest. Um and I you know, and it and it may not be the right thing, but in my experience, uh utilizing resources and being able to open up dialogues and connections and um, you know bring people together is is really like I think the best way to constantly stay motivated like if I wasn't also playing in Pet Symmetry or also playing in There 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 or also playing in Couplet mm-hmm. like there I wouldn't be as busy and like that's and part of that is me approaching those things and like getting them set up and working on them and contributing and showing up but part of that is also the people that are in those bands contributing and showing up and being and like also pushing you know relying on me just as much as I rely on them okay. so right i i think uh you know it's tough i've seen both sides because as you know going solo the reason i went solo with into it over in the first place was because the progress just wasn't doing anything so i was like trying to motivate that band and trying to accelerate that band and like and it's not their fault they were just in a different place you know they were like graduating college and settling down and getting real careers and it's like i was like what do you mean we're in our early 20s like we need to be like fucking going for it right now you know like now's the time um (laughs) Yeah. So, so striking out on my own was was a little difficult because it was just uh, you know I was so used to that needing to be relied on aspect of being in a band, and then coming here really found that ability to be uh, to not just rely on other people, but also be someone that other people count on, and I think that really helps. Totally. I think I think if I was trying to do everything myself now, I'd probably be unbelievably motivated, and um, you know, so maybe that's it. Maybe it's just like finding your people, finding your finding your your core group that can push you as much as you can push them. And um, that's,
1: uh, that's seriously beautiful advice and it's hard, <laughs> I, but you're right. It's if some, I think if, if you try, you'll find it. And I, I do want to go back to, to something you touched on, touched on is the idea of memory and as someone as anybody listening who doesn't know already i mean I, i've said it a few times but evan has put out a lot of music i mean there was the 52 weeks project where you wrote and recorded a song every week for 52 weeks which is fucking wild oh, wow. the like 12 towns record which is just like putting out songs from these different like there's just so there's just so much music out there and and i'm wondering like as someone who has written so many songs do you remember how to play and sing all this <laughs> shit <laughs> No, (laughs) I'm serious. uh,
2: How much rehearsing do you have to do if you're going to go perform uh, some of my stuff?
0: Oh God. So, um, you know, we do know uh, at one point when the last live version of the band broke up, which was in 2016, it was like the end of 2016, that version of the band knew how to play every LP at the time. So we knew how to play standards, intersections, and proper. We knew how to play all of the Koji split. We knew how to play about... Five or six of the fifty-two week songs we knew how to play. About three or four of the twelve towns, and then some like random B sides. So I think we knew somewhere in the neighborhood of like fifty to sixty songs. Um, Wow, that's a lot. And those those were songs that you could be like, play blank, and we'd be like, sure, and then just pick up a guitar and be able to do it. Right. And and so that was, you know, I think at that time we were rehearsing because all of us, none of us had full time jobs, so I think we were rehearsing something like three to four days a week, four to five hours a day. And, um, and we were the tightest we'd ever been. It was awesome. And then, you know, flash forward four years later, me not really doing any performing at all and just focusing on having a now focusing on myself and having a career and also just recording again, which is like my favorite part of being in a band. Um, you know, now I look back and, and I could probably play, I could probably play about if you just handed me a guitar, about 40 of the Intuit Overtones songs right now, but I wouldn't be that tight you know, it'd be it'd be a little loose and like sure. there's about twenty that I could pl- probably play really well, which were the twenty we did for this live at Red Room series where we like, you know, basically did a full set list of of songs spanning the whole career of the band. Um but, you know, uh and it's the same with Pet Simmer, there they There. The, like I don't right now, you couldn't hand me a bass and be like, play the there the there the songs. But if you gave me like if you were like in two days, play all the there the there the songs it'd be like, okay. Right. You know, and I could sit and practice sure. for two days and like know it, you know. Um, so I definitely compartmentalize all of the material. So it's like, okay, now it's pet sim time. I got to remember how to play the pet sim songs now and make that a priority. Or like now it's into it over time, like time to, you know, turn off the pet sim side of my brain and, and start focusing on that. And, uh, you know, and there is muscle memory. There is like a, a memory of like where the chord shapes are and where they are on the guitar mm-hmm. and what the, tu- what the tunings are. But like Dude, I got
1: to tell you—that's like- the next question I wanted to ask you—is the tuning part. Because I know that you, as as a fellow alternate tuning person, I know how complicated that can get. So, how do you keep track of all that? Well, so majority
0: of the songs are only in two in two tunings. Um, Okay. most of 52 weeks, I completely forget. I, you like, cause it was so fast. <laughs> it was, it, well, when we, when we started doing into it over there was no plan to do shows. It was strictly a recording project. There was no plan for the project to even continue after that was over. It was supposed to be like, cool. 52 weeks are done. Like that okay. was, that was cool. And like, at that time I was playing bass in this band, Demira. And I thought that was the trajectory. Like I was just going to be like, cool. Demira time. Now, you know, into it over was fun. That's over, you know, like cool, okay. cool recording project. So then two years later, no sleep, put 52 weeks out on CD. And the only reason I started playing, and this, so, so, you know, 2007 to 2009, now it's June 2009, I haven't played any of these songs in, in 18 months. And, uh, and, and at that point, and even not only hadn't played any of these songs in 18 months, but the only time I'd ever played them was for the six days that I was writing and recording. So, like, I'm trying to remember shit that I did not just two and a half years ago, but only for like four or five days.
1: <laughs> so, <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. good luck.
0: But, uh, But I was like, oh, I got I got this box of CDs. I guess I should play shows to try to sell these CDs. Like they're not nobody's buying these things. (laughs) So you know, I started doing a couple shows here and there, and then uh, met the band Former Thieves, which Josh Parks and Josh Parks, who were later in Into It Over It, were in, and we really hit it off as people and and as a group, and and so they brought me on tour to open for them, and then that became you know, 20, 30 shows right there. And then I wound up going, I wound up figuring out a way to go, uh, to Europe with the band Grown Ups, And that became like a 90 day tour there. And then I came home and I didn't have a job anymore. And it was like, well, I guess I'll just keep touring. Like, that's like, I mean, now's the time. It seems like it's kind of setting itself up and I did, but there was no plan for that. It just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I was like trying to relearn these old tunes and couldn't, I only knew, you know, what I knew at the time. And I was just playing the same, you know, 10 or 12 songs every day. And uh, never bothered to learn relearn some of the old ones. And I I, we're talking about that now because it's the 13 year anniversary to 52 weeks and we're doing this podcast where every week 13 years to the day that a song was released. We're like releasing a podcast episode of me and my friend Brian talking about the song. He did all the artwork for the project and that's happening over Uh, on our, is
1: that, um, is that strictly on your Patreon? Yeah,
0: it's on our Patreon now, but we're going to start releasing the episodes wide I think in groups of four starting like next month. And, um, and and we're up to week 10 or week nine. Um, week nine I think comes out tomorrow but so we're talking about like what could we do that'd be really special for the end of that and so we're like maybe thinking like well maybe we could take pick like 10 of those 52 week songs and like re-record them with purpose instead of just like trying to fucking slap something together in three hours you know right Um, interesting you know and, and give them a little bit more of a spit shine you know uh but yeah, no. To answer, that was a very long-winded answer of of saying no. I don't remember how to play all that shit. And the tuning, the <laughs> tuning thing, is is not documented anywhere. There's no. It's like strictly memory or like me trying to fucking fake it and figure it out. I do know how to do all the LPS because those are fresh in the memory. And um, yeah, you know. And and do I got. You,
1: um, do you sh- do you like share your tuning stuff? Like, or do you, are you? Like, I did
0: that close to the. Vest? I I didn't used to. I used to be such a dick about that shit. I used to be so like up to like, no, it's, it's my, it's the secret sauce, you know, I can't tell anybody. And now I'm just like, who cares? Like I'm going to tell, I've been doing like learn to plays and shit. And we're talking about doing like a tab book now. And, um, you know, it's it's like just give people the keys. Like at this point, it's like I, I'm almost looking at it like, man, if if a, if another guitar player quits this band, I won't have it in me to teach someone how to play all these songs on second guitar anymore. Right. I'd rather just like give everybody like learn how. to, I hope everyone can like learn how to do this. So then, if I need another guitar player, it's just like can, all right, you know it. You got the tab book. Do you want to join the band? <laughs> well, that's the thing.
1: You've got and it, you've got Joe George playing guitar right now. And oh, it's great. George, I mean, he's, oh, he's, he's so amazing. so tasty, and I'm sure he's putting in the work. So you, oh, know, you can take all the work work that and he's such a good teacher like you could take all his work and just pass that along it's a it's uh, a big time for you dude playing with joe is a
0: dream it's it's just fucking so awesome he's like he's so pro he just shows up he's excited to to play in a loud band and like understands what our vision is. The goal is, and is like excited to do it. And we're excited that he's there because it's hard also to join a new band, like an established band with like people who have people who are friends already. They've been friends for maybe, you know, I've been friends with Adam and, and Matt who are also in the band for, you know, six to 10 years respectively, you know, and it's like for Joe to walk in and I've never met those dudes and then kind of, you know, inundate himself with the group. And not only that, but like, I, you know, I think he's really enjoying it, you know? And so, Um, it's been really, really cool to watch and it's actually really expanded what I think we can do moving forward because he has a skill set in his toolbox that I just don't. So like, you know, what can, how can, what can we do as a group to like utilize Matt's talent on bass and guitar and utilize Joe's talent on guitar and bass and synths and keys and like take this group of people who are unbelievably creative and motivated to like build something that into it over it never was before. So that's kind of the plan. Where I'm I'm like so past, you know, being protective of the control and the vision of this project, because at this point it's been 13 years and it's like, you know, I could, I've done everything I feel like I can do myself, you know, like I haven't learned any new skills. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not any better at the guitar now than I was in 2008. And so it's like, um, sure. And so it's, you know, now it's time to, to, to just let go. And I think it's, it's actually been like the most fun I've had with the project in a really, really long time. Um. And I'm excited to see what we it's do a moving place forward. To be. Yeah, I know it's
1: like all the pressure's off, you know. It's just, know. <laughs> well, so if anybody wants to uh, to check you out and, and all that beautiful playing you do on your Telly Deluxe, um, where where on the internet do you tend to to send people to to check out all your many things that you do?
0: Uh, the most, on, honestly, the the place where I'm probably the most active is on Instagram of all places. Like, I think I, I definitely am the most like socially engaged there um sure into it over.com though and like on spotify or apple music uh you know twitter i'm mildly active but it's more so political i fucking just need to delete that fucking app. <laughs> and then uh and then it's uh you know the patreon especially which has been super super fun and really really cool uh it's the storm storm chasers limited but it's patreon.com slash into over it and we're doing monthly and quarterly vinyl subscriptions i'm probably going to open up a yearly subscription next year but we're releasing stuff every single month and it's Uh, content, not just from me or from the people in Intuit over it, but also Eric and Marcus from Pet Symmetry. It's also Matt and Jared from There They're There. It's also Tanner and Adam who play in Couplet. It's also bands that are just kind of like periphery bands, like my friend Brian, who's in It's a King thing, who's done a lot of Into it, Over It Art. It's also Andy Hendricks who's in Annabelle and, uh, you know, On uh, Guard and um, also does a lot of graphic design for all of our bands. It's it's just this really excellent crew. Yeah, and we're we're just constantly, you know, operating as a community. And it's it's if you're a fan of one or a fan of any of those, like, Definitely, I think worth
1: signing up. We're really leaning into that, and so um, there's so much just content and value there. I mean, that's you hear, I'm all about Patreon. We're we're exploring doing it ourselves. You we should, gone, yeah, gone there. But a lot of people do it, and and but I mean, just hearing what you, what you guys offer, that's I mean, that's incredible. And yeah. I do want to say before we before we fully wrap up, having gone to IntuitOverIt.com myself, I noticed that you have your own personal reverb seller page embedded into your homepage. and i <laughs> well, just think that's the coolest fucking thing uh, ever dude uh,
0: it's actually a site hack which uh because reverb you know rolled out this program called sites where you they would build a website for you and so i used i was like oh, well i have a reverb store like chicago I use music this exchange
1: thing. knows quite quite well how that goes
0: yeah so uh so i used reverb sites functionality to build my website which uh you know, it w- was actually kind of a bonus. I can't say that anybody who's visited into has bought gear from my from my page. It's just a basic way to, like, get a free website.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I'll tell you what, though, I, I still thought about it. I was like, oh, he's got like a snare. I don't remember what else you had on there. I was like, those aren't bad. Oh, I got prices, a li- I got right. a I got a life pedal. You should buy my life pedal. It's, it's gold. I did. You know what? I did the CME demo for like the the, the new version of that. So I, I do need to get one of those. Yeah, I'll sell you well, mine. I'll sell you mine at a really good deal. <laughs> you will. all right my friend if anybody again i mean if anybody hasn't already go check out into it over it go check out there 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 pet symmetry just some amazing music beautiful melodies and guitar work and, and all and, and it's all very beautiful sounding by Thank you. the way just like throughout everything listening back through all of your your music that you've put out has always sounded great which i think um you know I, again i haven't listened to progress yet but i will but everything else has just been like beautifully done so kudos to you and, and thanks for being so prolific yeah it's, it's Appreciate awesome it. for us to be able to all get to enjoy all your music that you yeah, put this out in the world. A, this was a great, great chat. I, you guys are a lot of fun, and um, you
0: know, I, I, there's way more to come next year. There's every single band that you just mentioned is going to put out a new record next
1: year. So, um, should be should be really cool. It's going to be badass. All right, boys. Well, awesome, man. Um, great chats. Thanks, thanks for for chatting with me and thanks I. Thanks so uh, much, love you guys. Hell all yeah. Right.